But we're going to get out of chapter 2 six weeks later. Verse 9 is where we're going to be. Father, we just ask that you would just, uh, Lord, open our hearts again. And Lord, just minister to us. Lord, just the vastness of who you are, the greatness, God, of who you are. And we just thank you, Lord, for all that you desire to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, we started this book out by saying, if you don't have any problems with the first five words in this book, then you probably don't have a problem with anything in the Bible. Because, see, if you believe in the beginning God created, and that is created something out of nothing in most places, if you have no problem with that, then you also know that the creator that created it all controls it all. And if he controls it all, then everything's running perfectly according to his timetable and not ours. And we can rest in that knowledge. And so if you have no problem with the first five books and the first five words in the Bible, you have no problem with the rest of the Bible. But if you do have problems with it, well, I don't know. I guess we'll just pray for you. But we shouldn't. In the beginning, God created. We left off last time with Light being created in day one and the expansive water being separated, being separated up from the expansive water being separated below on the second day. And it's interesting, and I couldn't find any commentator to commentate on it, but as you look at all six days of creation, only day two does not have God saying that which he created was good. Day one, three, four, five, and six. But for some reason, day two, it doesn't say that which God created was good. Now, I don't want to make anything out of that other than the expanse of water that went up above and the expanse of water that went below, which is separated in day two, is what appears to flood the earth when we get into chapter six. And I just throw that out there for free. I don't know what to make of it. You can kind of mull it over. Tonight, we find ourselves on day three of God's creation in verse nine. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And it appeared from the scriptures that originally the land surfaces were all together. No one can really say for sure, but it's quite possible. And I'm not going to get into the scientific part of that because honestly, I would just be telling you something that somebody read and I wouldn't know if it's true or not. But when we get into chapter 10, we read, in the days of Peleg was the earth divided or split apart. And if that means divided, like one from another, then that would place the division of, you know, you look at the continents, you go, hey, they all kind of fit together. Yeah, well, if they were all at one place at one time, that would make this division taking place either during or right after the flood in chapter 6. And so it's quite possible they were all together at one time. Also, when you step back and look at our Earth geographically, you'll notice that even though the average depth of the ocean is 200 feet, there are places where it is way deeper. And I suggest to you it's because God needed more water mass that was heavier to balance out the Earth, to keep it all balanced, to keep it spinning evenly. It's kind of like the tire guy balancing your tires. You know, they place those little extra weights, they pound them on your tire so that it's balanced out. So that way when your tire spins, it spins perfectly balanced, or at least that's the hope. It appears God did the same by causing some places of the ocean to be deeper than the others to balance things out. And so God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters, he called seas. 
And God saw that it was good. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Now, we're still on day three. And, and we don't know if God goes on coffee break right now because, you know, he's just, you know, he saw this was good. He's done this. We don't know if he rested for a few minutes or if he just kind of kept on working as we move into the earth starting to green up. There's so much we don't know about God's creation. But we know one day we'll know all we need to know, and that's the great mystery of God. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. Then I'll know everything I need to know. But for now, there's so many mysteries around God's creation we don't know. So God said, still on the third day, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, look what it says, according to its kind, not that it's going to evolve into some other kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and so it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. It's almost like God thought maybe someone might try and come up with evolution, so he kept repeating himself, according to its kind, according to its kind, according to its kind. Not, not going to evolve into something else. And God saw that it was good. And not necessarily, I don't know if that's good for God. Maybe. But I think that God had Adam and Eve in mind when he said, and he saw that it was good. He's thinking, gosh, when they bite into that fruit for the very first time, it's going to be like that Starburst commercial. You know, you've seen it on TV. You know, there's all these things blowing out of their mouths because it's so fresh and exciting. It's going to be good. And God sees it. He knows what it's going to be like. It's going to be good. It's going to be so good, you didn't even have to eat meat back then. Now, that doesn't sit well with me today. If I don't get meat every two or three days, I get a little edgy. But for some reason... Because of what was taking place in the garden, all they ate was fruit, green things, vegetables. See, some of you are going, oh man, I don't know about you. See, but that doesn't sound good. But see, in the garden, it was way different. It's way different. God saw that it was good. And yet he likes the steak that's burnt, the fragrant aroma, well-pleasing, rising up to the Lord. But there is something here about this fruit. And these veggies and things where God saw that it was good. And so they all came one from another. So much for the theory of evolution here. The the plants are bringing forth fruit according to its kind with seeds already in them. God has already created the DNA in these plants. And so as they start to grow or they just pop up, they they just show up mature plants. I don't have a problem with God just having trees, you know, already 100 years old. Well, did they have rings in them? Well, who cares? <laughs> Maybe they didn't. Did Adam have a belly button? Maybe he didn't. <laughs> it's one of those questions we're just going to have to ask. But God has created the DNA in these plants. They're not evolving into some other species. And that is exactly what science has discovered if it wants to be honest. There are no fossil records, transitory records that declare this was once a peach tree and then it became a peach tree plus a little bit of apple and then it became a peach tree plus a little banana and now you can go to guava, guava juice and you get a peach banana drink. No. It started a peach tree. It stayed a peach tree. Now, there are varieties of different kinds of apples, just like there are varieties of different kinds of dogs. But no farmer has ever planted an apple seed and came up with an orange tree. It's never happened. 
It hasn't happened any more than any dog breeder has taken two dogs and bred them and came up with a cat. There just isn't any evidence for that anywhere in the scientific world. It's not there. It's nonsensical. I mean, think of what chaos there would be if a wheat farmer went out and planted his wheat seed in the field, but, but he didn't really know what was going to come out. He couldn't plant seed after its kind, so the farmer went out, planted his wheat fields, and he didn't really know what was going to come up until it came up. It'd be really hard to harvest that wheat field. Well, we got a banana plant here, and we've got some asparagus over here, and we've got some alfalfa over here, and we've got tomato plant. It'd be, what a mess. What a disorderly fashion. But see, God has put order in his universe. And in creating these herbs and fruits with their own seeds in them, I'd have to imagine that they are not your basic Kroger variety. First of all, they are organic. But not like organic like at the store that you don't even really know if they're organic. You look at them, they look exactly the same. they got a sticker on them, you pay a buck more. But you don't really know if they're organic. But these were organic like perfect organic. Like the melons are what? Five feet long? Hey, want a watermelon? Yeah, it's only five foot. Back up your wheelbarrow. I mean, the, the strawberry, what does it do? Make 30 shakes? And how about one banana? You make a dozen banana splits. See, we're, we're thinking God created the bananas and all this stuff. We go down to Kroger's, that's what they look like. That is not what this stuff looked like. No, 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 no. This is perfect. This is huge. It's a perfect world. Honestly, my mind cannot fathom what it looked like, but it likes to try. However... Kind of, I just throw this out there for your thought. I believe we might get a chance during the thousand year reign of Christ to experience kind of what some of this pre-fall Adam's garden looked like as this earth goes through some tremendous changes. We know the polar ice caps are going to melt. We know the Dead Sea is going to come to life. It's going to get flushed clean. We know that the deserts are going to spring to life. We know that during this thousand year reign of Christ, as we lead up to it through the tribulation period, the earth is going to take on some cataclysmic events. What takes place, no one really knows, but we certainly get some great uh, views as we look through Ezekiel in, in different places where it says that the, the deserts come back to lives, flowers spring forth in the deserts and all these things. So quite possibly we're going to go back to some pre-fall-like state. And see, my mind can run easily with, wow, big strawberries. Big bananas, big watermelons. Now they say, and I, I don't know who comes up with these things, but if you take a single seed of corn and plant it, you know, you, you know, your popcorn. You take one seed out of your microwave popcorn, and you go plant it, and it grows up into one stalk. And then you take all the ears of corn on that one stalk, and you replant those. And then you take all of those ears of corn, and you replant those. They say, and, I, and again, I don't know how they come up with this, but it kind of makes sense. Over the course of six years, you could plant corn all over the planet. Or, or let me rephrase that. You could plant corn all over our earth in perfect living conditions. From one seed, six years. So let me give you something to think about next time you're going to bite on an ear of corn or eat a little popcorn. That piece of popcorn, that piece of popcorn is a great, 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 way great grandson of somebody else's popcorn. It's not like, you know, they just threw it in a bag. These are seeds producing seeds of their own kind. Popcorn, you know, you pop them. Some get planted in the ground. Some get stuck in a microwave popcorn bag. That seed's been, that, that, that seed's come from, that's got some history on it. You know, God in his master design that just baffles modern science, if science wants to be honest, 
is so lost in the dark when it comes to these things. Yes, it's everything you eat. It's not, you know, with the exception of this genetically engineering stuff that they're producing. And I don't know anything about that, so I won't act like I do. But the, the seeds that are, that anything you eat come from another plant. And that came from a plant before. I mean, you, you could be eating, a, you know, the 1950s uh, corn today that was the 1900 corn then. And it could have been, you know, just keeps going back. Now, just for the record, so when some dope asks you, so you know how to answer him, God did not create marijuana here for Adam to get stoned by. You're going, what? Hey, listen, honestly, I don't know how people in the church come up with these crazy things that they do, but they do. I, I never would have thought of this when I was a doper. The man or woman that don't believe they're sinning are quick to point out that God created the dope in Genesis 1, so it can't be wrong. And, and they come to this conclusion based upon these words here. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed. Oh, okay. God, must be okay. I mean, somehow they, they make this out to be drugs that are growing in the ground, poppies and marijuana or whatever they're doing. And so the answer to any dopes that would come and try and pose this question towards you, and maybe this is just a California thing. See, all you got to tell them is, look, when your interpretation of a particular passage, is, passage of Scripture contradicts some other place in the Bible, your interpretation is just wrong. To say that God created dope, so dope must then be okay, is so whacked out because the Bible addresses the usage of drugs and calls it sorcery and witchcraft. And yet, for some reason, there's Christians, people go, oh, no, no, God created our brain seal. See, look, that's my pot plant. It produces seed, and God, it's coming out of the ground. It's called grass. And No, listen, it's nonsense. It's called witchcraft and sorcery. The Bible also addresses not being under bondage to any substance. It addresses self-control as the fruit of the Spirit. And anybody under the influence of drugs is anything but under self-control. And there's a host of other things to say, but I believe the simplest thing, at least the thing I would usually say after I throw out these ones that, you know, always never seem to stick on people, is, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Oh. <laughs> See, I don't believe you'd be looking for loopholes to sin if he is. And that would usually be the one that would nail him. So there is evening and there is morning. There's the third day as God commands the earth to bring forth seed-bearing plants and trees. And not just... Just one type of seed-bearing plant? A variety of seed-bearing plants. I mean, think about it. Think, you know, kind of run this thing through your mind. How many different types of seed-bearing plants can you think of? Well, there's seeds that fly when they come off the tree. You know, those little twirly things. You used to throw them up when you were a kid. You throw them up and they go... And they float down the street. There's others that just drop. There's some seeds that explode and others that just kind of float away. And then there's, you know, those hitchhiker types. They, they stick to you, and then you pull them off, and without even thinking, at least I've never thought of this, maybe you have, you know those things that stick in your socks and stuff? They stick on your clothes. All of a sudden, without even thinking, you're pulling them off, and you've come, you know, let's say a mile, and now you're throwing them down over here. You've just planted seeds a mile away without even thinking about it. You're propagating a bunch of noxious weeds. Those pesky little weed things. And I don't think you're thinking about it when you threw them down, but that's what you're doing. You know, God said, watch this. I'm going to get this 
these these little seeds to stick in somebody's sock. They're going to walk about a mile, and they're going to pull them out, throw them down, and we're just going to keep spreading this stuff out. And so without even thinking about it, we were spreading weeds. So creative is God in all He creates. Very creative. And just think what the new heavens and the new earth will be like, seeing that God's going to destroy this one. Look at all the things that are here, how creative His creative power is. But He's going to destroy this one. He's creating a new heaven. He's creating a new earth. that's going to have a new city in it called the New Jerusalem. And see, if this is just his first one and he's going to destroy this one, what's the second one going to be like? I mean, is it not worth living for? Verse 14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let there be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Now, as we look at this, God said in verse 3, Let there be light. But all of a sudden now, we, we, we see something very similar in verse 14, where God said, let there be lights. But see, in, in verse 3, it's the Hebrew word or. And now here in verse 14, the word for lights is ma'or, M-A-W-O-R-E. To which some would believe, and I believe they make a good case for it, first God created light, and then he created light bearers to bear his light. Or to make it modern, first God created the light, and then he created the light bulbs to bear the light. And I think they make a really good case for that. But I don't know. Honestly, I don't believe anybody can know for sure. So much of this is a mystery to me. But I don't need to know exactly how God did it or answer all the questions. Because, see, I want to just watch it on DVD, Dolby Surround Sound, when we get to heaven and say, God, just stick the DVD in on your creation. You know, Just show us how you did it. It's got to be awesome. The Lord created it all. I don't need to understand how he did it. But I do what I would really like to see it when I get to heaven. Lord, just surround sound. Be awesome. Verse 16, Then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, speaking of the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, speaking of the moon. Oh, and by the way, he made the stars also. <laughs> it's almost like he it's almost like Moses said, Oh yeah, and stars. I gotta add that in here. Now I do know, I don't know much about the science stuff, but I do know if we were any closer to the sun, we'd live in a desert. And if we were any farther away, we'd live in ice huts. And that's about the extent of my science knowledge. And I mean, our placement in, in the solar system is not some random chance thing. This is God placing our earth in just a proper place away from the earth. And as the earth orbits around the sun tilted at 23 and a third degrees... That perfect 23 and a third degree till gives us the various seasons of the year all designed and planned by God. There's no random chance. There's no lucky cosmic explosion in space. It was our God that redeemed us that we're going to spend eternity with that placed everything just right. Everything. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. And again, I think it was good for Adam and Eve. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Because see, God can see the beginning and the ending. And he's going, okay, we haven't got to creating man yet, but this is going to be good for them. And he created light and darkness, day and night. And just think if we never had the darkness. There was just light all the time. 
first of all, I know that would happen when I was growing up. I'd, we would have been able to weed the garden that we had that was a half acre long. Because we always hoped we'd run out of daylight before our, you know we got done. And if you had daylight all the time, you'd be outside do, weeding. You'd be outside doing chores. But just imagine if we never had the light. Every day you woke up, it was just darkness. Always darkness. You woke up, it was just darkness all over again. What a bummer. But see, God made morning and night. In God's realm of things, in God's perfect balance, He made both night and day and their seasons. Each one perfectly mapped out according to the plan of God. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Now, this is Will's favorite verse, especially the abundant part. A a better word would be swarm. Let the waters swarm with life, or our modern word would be boil. You know, like where there's so many fish in one place, the water looks like it's boiling because they're all right there. And and God's saying, let waters abound with with this swarming of living creatures. My favorite place to go fishing. All I got to do is pull the trigger. I'm guaranteed to hit a fish in these type of conditions. Maybe even a couple. But there's no mutant evolving species here because there's no record of that anywhere. It's man's science to somehow disprove God. All of this is created with our dad's creative power. So God created, and it's our word bara, to create something out of nothing. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. Now, there are estimated by some that there are some 11 million species of creatures on the planet. Again, I don't know if that's true. That's what I read. And if there's 11 million species of creatures on this planet and God created all of them in the fifth and sixth day, okay, let's do a little math here. Okay, well, first of all, let's take 11 million and divide it by two because let's just deal with one day. That's 5.5 million creatures God created in one day. And that's only one of each kind. And God's not working nights, right? He's not working the graveyard shift. He's working days. So God has created 5.5 million creatures in an eight-hour day. Do the math. That's a lot of creating in an hour. But that's the vastness of our God. And and that's only one creature. What if he made five of these, four of these, two of these? It says that they were swarming. So what if he made like thousands of this kind? Well, it's not 5.5 million per day now. Maybe it's 55.5 million. God's now creating two or three million creatures a second. It's a lot of creation. And yet, he takes notice when the swallow or the sparrow falls out of the ground or out of the sky, out of the nest. He takes notice of that. How does he do that? I don't know, but he does. He he has every one of your hairs numbered. Not that he knows how many hairs are on your head. No, he knows each one of them by name. It has a number attached to it. How does he do that? I don't know. But he says that because he wants us to know how big he is, how vast he is. I mean, millions of creatures God created per day. And such a variety of creatures, if you've ever done any scuba diving, you know there's just a whole new world down there. 
I mean, God's creative power goes from the depths of the ocean to the heights of the sky and everything in between. God created sea turtles that can go down almost 4,000 feet into the ocean floor and he's created vultures that can soar above 35,000 feet. And you've got hundreds of thousands of creatures in between. And each one very unique. Each one with its own unique defense mechanism. Each one with its own special features. Each one that is uniquely all by itself, totally separate and different. That leaves no room for random spontaneous theories that evolution and science espouses today. And so God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So they've been fruitful. They've multiplied according to their kind. Birds today have not evolved into land animals any more than land animals have evolved into water dwellers. You know, I'm dumb to all this stuff, but at least I know this, because if they were evolving, where are the evolving species today? How come they haven't come up with any new ones? If everything was evolving from this to that, how come all of a sudden it just stopped when all of a sudden we got a little smarter or dumber? You know, if everything's evolved from a pile of spit in a pool, then how come it quit evolving? Uh, well, because it never has. We just got to stop and think for a second. There aren't any today because there have never been any. They haven't found any. Everything they find, it's always dated so far back. We go, oh, they're so smart. <laughs> Boy, they're just so smart. No, they've never found any. Evolution has just been the hoax of the century and we're a bunch of suckers for entertaining it. They've never found any. They have no fossil records to prove anything. Just theories. Remember as we were going through Romans chapter 1 verse 20? They knowingly suppress the truth of God so they can live the lie and live in sin. Let's take one of let's take one part of creation out of millions. One bird, for example, the golden plover. Anybody know what it is? Little bird. It lives in the Aleutian Islands in Hawaii. It goes to the Aleutians in the springtime to mate and have its offspring. And in the fall, when it starts growing cold, they head for Hawaii, some two to 3,000 plus miles away. Now, keep in mind, from the Aleutian Islands to Hawaii, there's not a lot of stops on the way. So before they leave the Aleutians, for some reason, these little birds start gorging themselves full of food for their nonstop flight to Hawaii. Now, how does evolution tell them to do that? Let's see, you're going to fly two to 3,000 miles. There's not going to be any stops. You're going to have to fly nonstop. Uh, one guy I read said they fly about 60 miles an hour. So in the course of like a little over two days, nonstop 60 miles an hour, they get there. Man, that's a lot of flying. I mean, that's a major... I mean, they're a little bird, too. How does evolution tell them to do that? And how does the he evolution help them navigate across the water from the Aleutians to Hawaii? How does evolution do that? Do they just get lucky every year? I mean, it's not like they can follow the bird poop through the water because the water would just keep moving it all around. It's not, you know, the little guy that drops the breadcrumbs. Okay, follow me. I'm going to make it. Do they just navigate by the stars? What do they do if a storm comes and, and, the, and storms come and all of a sudden they're out there in the midst of the sea and there's a storm coming. They can't see the clouds. They, they can't see the stars. And all of a sudden they get blown off course. But somehow they still make it to Hawaii. How do you explain that? 
Well, the critic says, well, they've been there before. Oh, gosh, you got me there. That's true for some. However, when the parents leave for Hawaii, the children are not quite strong enough to make the flight. It's about two weeks later that the children take off and they have never been to Hawaii before, but miraculously, they make it. How does evolution do that? How does this one species of bird we're looking at know that Hawaii was a great place to spend the winter? All of a sudden, it gets, I mean, where's mom and dad? Oh, they went to some place called Hawaii. Well, that's a great place. Let's go. How do we get there? I don't know. I mean, how does evolution do that? How are they guided there? How can you explain this in the evolutionary process? You can't. You can't. This is just one of, a, of, of, of millions of examples of the amazing design or evidence in creation, totally by the work of God. <coughs> what would Sunday night not be without a sneeze? <coughs> or two. I mean, it's, it speaks of a designer. And there are millions of stories just like this, but they're all different. You know, you've watched the Discovery Channel. You see those things. How, how did they figure that out? Because God was God. And He created every single one of them. And yet still people want to believe it all happened by chance. And, you know, if someone would, were to come along, I can hardly wait to meet one and say, well, gosh, really you believe it all happened by chance? Hey, I have a Porsche outside. It's worth $50,000. It's for sale. It's actually a 91 Honda that's dying. But hey, if you truly believe it's going to evolve someday in, into a Porsche like the animals do, I'll tell you what, I'll sell it to you for $25,000. i will even stick a Darwin fish on it. We'll call it good. You know, hey, if you believe it for animals, why not believe it for my car? Any takers? No. No one's going to take me for that. What do you think you take me for, sucker? Case in point. You know? <laughs> Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth. Interesting choice of words here. Before it was God created something out of nothing. And now it is. Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. Please notice, God is very clear about this according to its kind type of a thing. And, and it was so. No, no evolutionary process named here. But each according to its own kind. And seeing that all the grass has already been created for the animals to eat. Well, this is the next orderly step in God's creation. Let's create something to eat the grass. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And again, God saw that it was going to be good for Adam and Eve. It's going to be good for Adam and Eve to enjoy as he's still working on the sixth day. Does he take a break? We don't know. Does he keep on moving? Well, we don't know. But he keeps on moving forward and where it says in verse 26 as the, now it's the Godhead becomes way more involved at the creation of man look what it says then God said let us make man in our image some moron says oh the us here is angels please I don't think so then God said let us make man in our image all of a sudden when as we get to this creation of man the God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit wants to be involved in this creation of man let us masculine plural in the Hebrew language make man masculine masculine singular in our image it's almost like the God has is taken the dirt now and they're forming it and they're fashioning it in their own hands and they're they're fashioning man and God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. So what does the yes have in mind here? Well, it's our image, our likeness. So what is that? I don't know. I'd give you some guesses. 
Jesus said in John 4 that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And we know if God was to have hands or eyes or ears like some wackos report, then sure enough, there'd be statues of God. Hey, that's God over there. Let's go bow down to God. And So God is spirit. That we know. But you know what? So are you and I. You and I are spirit creatures as well. We may live in this body that some people pump lots of money into and try and make it look good. And But the reality is... This body ain't us. This body is going to fade away. This body is a tent. It's dying. Once you hit about age 22, 23, it's dying. It can no longer reproduce faster than it's growing. It's dying. And we possess a consciousness. But the body, this body isn't really me. And I hope you know that. <laughs> I don't want to take this into eternity. The body is a tent in which we temporarily live in. Every Eventually... Because the Bible tells me I'm going to be moving out of this body and into a new body that's preserved for me and awaiting my arrival in heaven. Now, what this new body looks like, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I have no real clue. But this body today is not really me. I'm a spirit creature in a temporary home that's awaiting a permanent place in heaven. Because, see, when this one fails and they're all destined to fail, it's going to become worm food. It's just going to kind of go back down there. Worms are going to come and eat out of it. And that's going to go back to the dust that I was created from. Now, we can expand the being made into the image of God beyond the spirit, I believe. We're, we're made with the capacity to love. And because God is love, He created us with that capacity. They'll, we'll know there are Christians by love. God is, is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. You can pull love out. Every place you love is, you can put God in. I'm also created in the image and likeness of God so I might know God and have fellowship with God. Somehow I can have communion with God, unlike the animals, unlike the trees, unlike the plants. Maybe the tree huggers can have communion with the trees, but not, not you and I. We can have communion with the Father. Because we're created in His image and His likeness of God. I can have fellowship with him. And how that was before the fall, how Adam's fellowship was with God and how God and Adam fellowshiped with one another before the fall, I think it's up for grabs. I think it's way more than what we read in chapter 3, verse 8, where it says God in the garden in the cool of the day was walking. No, maybe Adam could go where God was. I don't know. See, we, we think so finite that the reality is we're dealing with an infinite God with a perfect creation. So how it was, I don't know, but we know they did have fellowship and have intimate times alone. And so we're created in the spiritual image of God, no, no doubt, and in His likeness. But, well, what else? Well, I think it's way more than you and I can imagine. Now, we do know that as man is created here in the garden, the clock started ticking as to when Jesus would come and take our place on the cross. The Bible tells us that there is called a book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so as, as the Godhead here is creating man, obviously the clock starts clicking. And as the yes are making man in their image, all that are present knows that it will be Jesus who's going to go and redeem man that they're actually creating. God has, has never not known from the beginning from the ending all at the same time. God has never not learned anything new. He's always known. Unlike what the Mormons try to tell us, well, well no, no, God didn't really know what was going to go down here. He's playing catch-up. No, that's nonsense. He's not playing catch-up. God's, God's never learned anything new. 
As, as the Godhead is fashioning man, they know that Jesus is going to go take our place. God has known it from the beginning from the end. And so they say, let them, let this man have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> We're supposed to have dominion over the creatures and not the creatures over man. But somehow in our society today, we're serving the creatures instead of the Creator. And thus, it seems like we're reaping what we've been sowing lately. All of a sudden, we no longer have dominion over the creatures. No, they have dominion over us. You don't know what I'm talking about? Just call someone up that's trying to build a church in California. And they can't build it because of the butterfly or the dumb little beetle that nobody even knew existed. Or some other crazy thing. The creature has more power than man because... Our society is worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. We're reaping what we've been sowing. And so God created, and this is bara, to make something out of nothing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And, and God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And again, that's not dope here. We already talked about that. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So originally man was a vegetarian. Now, that doesn't mean you can beat us up if you're a vegetarian and say, Hey, look, this is the way it was in the beginning. No, because when we get farther down the road, God says it's cool to eat meat. So... But this is how it was in the beginning. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I've given every green herb for food. And so it was. <laughs> so the animals are plant eaters too. The, the alligators never ate sheep. The lion, the tiger never ate the baby Bambi. It wasn't until after the fall that life changed for everybody and everything. Originally they just ate the fruit. I'm telling you, there's something cool in the fruit, in the garden, that would make a lion want to eat that instead of chasing down Bambi or something. I don't know why I said that. But it, there has to be something there. Verse 31, Then God saw everything that He made, nothing that was evolved, and indeed it was very, bad word, and, and indeed it was exceedingly, abundantly good. Look it up. Great Hebrew word there. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And now that they're finished, what now? Ah, that's next week's Bible study. But think about it. What now? God's created everything on six days. Man got created on the sixth day. So now we've just kind of moved into the seventh day. Wow. What is man going to do? What takes place on the seventh day? God rests. That's what the seventh day is all about. Man's first day on this earth was resting with God, just kicking back, communing with the, with the Creator. It would have been epic. Not out busy doing nothing. God, man's created on the sixth day. God says, oh, it's all good. Seventh day, let's rest. Take a little break, Adam. Okay, God, that sounds good. It speaks to you and I that God wants to spend time with us. He wants us to wake up maybe 10 minutes earlier in the morning and spend time with Him or find that 10 minutes during the day 
Because it's there. You just got to make it. The seventh day is all about man kicking back communion with the Creator. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your creative process, Lord, that creates, has placed into order all things on this world. And Father, we're just thankful that we can rest in you. and We can just trust you that, Lord, you're working everything out according to your perfect plan. Lord, we know the hurricanes were part of your plan. We don't understand them, but we know they were. Lord, the tsunami, Lord, the things going on over in Israel, they're all part of your plan. And Lord, we don't understand any of these things, but Lord, we know. God, that you allow these things to take place for some divine reason. And so, Father, challenge our own hearts. Lord, that we'd be found in that place, ready, waiting, watching for your return of your Son, Jesus Christ. And yet, also we would find those places of just communing with you. Finding those places of rest. Just hanging out with you, Jesus. And allowing your word to minister to us. So, Lord, just be glorified in this place. And we just thank you in Jesus' name.